the Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. And now your host, Tim Penny and the Art of War coaches. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of another wonderful Art of War episode. I am still not Steve Joel. He'll be back with us soon. But I am here with Nassim and John Lennon. I am Nick Nanavati, your hostess with the mostest, and we are here to talk about Iron Hands while Nassim breaks down in part two how he plays his army into all of the matchups. If you missed part one, I don't know what you're doing here. Go listen to part one. Nassim gave a really awesome breakdown of his Iron Hands list, how it works, and why he chose everything. And now in part two, we got Marine aficionado expertise himself, Mr. John Lennon, number three in the ITC, to help us break this down. How are you gentlemen doing? You know, I liked it a lot better when Steve Joel did the intros because I was number two or one back then. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, doing... John is in mourning for his previously lost rankings. Nassim, how are you? I'm doing absolutely amazing, man. As Every day is a new day. Every day is a new day. I love it. And now is another day to record about Iron Hands. Yes, so let's just get right into it. In this episode, we're going to go through a variety of matchups and just talk about, uh, on the micro level, how to approach it, where to put your models, what strats to emphasize, what to do in this mission. Um, John, do you want to take it away? Absolutely. This is my favorite part. So uh, I'm going to start off, uh, you know, normally I start off with Space Marines, but I think we're going to do Imperium a little later because eh, I don't want to start with the mirror. So I'm actually going to dive right in and uh, just go through some of the Chaos matchups real quick. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Chaos has been a bit of a weird spot for most of the edition. They keep promising that Chaos Space Marines will get a second wound soon. <laughs> but I do want to talk about the Chaos Legions that actually do have two wounds. And more specifically, I want to talk about Thousand Suns. So I'm going to start off just by going through Thousand Suns. Um, how, how do you feel about the matchup? Thousand Suns have been a very weird army so far. Mm -hmm. in that At least over here, we don't see them pop up too often. But we do see them just kind of pop up every once in a while as like a well-played army. Someone with a lot of reps can do very well with them. Mm -hmm. They just haven't been like the taking over the meta by storm force that we maybe expected. Mm. So, uh, so one thing with Thousand Suns, and I think uh, a lot a lot of people who've actually played against them will agree on this. But Abhor is a trap. Um, but I, I've never take I've never taken a border witch against them. It's 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 a trap. Um, because the one model in their arm, when the one model in that unit is the actual psyker. So even if you and the entire unit, killing off an entire unit is incredibly obnoxious because they've got a plus one to their save and throws with all uh, all, all this dust. They've got an invan and they're fearless as well. So actually, killing an entire unit is considerably it's considerably harder to like let's say grey knights where their ones are made out of paper. Um, but yeah, the, the, the my approach of the thousand sun is that they do have. Uh, they basically have a range where if you come close enough, they will just murder you with mortal wounds. So uh, just as a rule of thumb, I try to never expose anything to land of sight of them unless I really have to, unless I'm going for a big turn. Um, yeah, Thousand Suns is, is is an interesting one because, um, as, you, as you know, everybody's taking the Terminators. The Terminators are really good. Uh, minus one damage, you can buff them up all the, all the way. But the durability aspect isn't really too much of an issue because... In the same way, they're just a less durable death guard. They're toughness four. They have a five up and run. They're, they're not. They're nowhere near as durable as uh, the death guard legions. Um, but my, I think my, my overall approach against them is just. I think I just I bide my time. I don't try to rush it because they can just do all those mortal wounds. Um, and because they're also an elite army, because in, in, in theory they also struggle for the same problems as marines, which is overextending. So I like to use my speed because I'm I'm considerably faster than them. Uh, so as you can imagine, Terminators move five inches. So unless they use the uh, crystal to redeploy, they they're not really going to they're not really going to out movement me in any way, especially with infiltrators. So like even if they redeploy the infiltrate, uh, if they redeploy the infiltrators will take up a half of the board, if not a quarter of the board completely. So it really limits where they can go, which makes it a lot more. It helps me with, with actually predicting their movements and where they do go. But yeah, I think overall Thousand Suns, I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not the hardest matchup, but I wouldn't say it's easy as well. You definitely can't underestimate them with all the little tricks that they do have. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, you know, with with uh, that I have a problem with with Thousand Suns, you know, at least in theory, 
is the minus one damage when they budget for it just can be really annoying. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's not going to be on every unit at the same time, nope. but uh, I think you probably mostly get around that just with the multi-multas. The plasma yeah. certainly isn't bad there either. Yeah. Um, I guess you just kind of rely on different units than normal. You know, you have the grav now, the Volkite Contemptor really appreciates uh, not being minus one damage, but he's still a lot of saves, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah. so I think, uh, actually, this uh, this reminds me of when I played in the LGT, my second round, I played these Thousand Suns, and I played these that Terminator Brick. Um, like, so with the like with all the, the durability stuff, in cover, four up in van, you know, all of that stuff. Um, it's, do you still just make, the, 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 they're still toughness four, which is a breakpoint, because it means all of your weaponry is going to win them on freeze, rerolling once. And so you're just doing that much more damage to them. Like you're like you're just drowning them in high AP saves that they need to take, and you're doing mortal wounds with them with the contemptor, uh, which they don't really have a way to ignore mortal wounds. You're, you're just making them take sheer amount of saves where they do eventually die. And I think after my first turn shooting phase against them, uh, after they had those buffs up, I just, the squad that, that entire squad was dead, and then the, the another Terminator squad was down to one model. So as it just goes to show that. As they, they may they may be durable, but durability always hits a limit. You, you you can never be more durable than a certain point, but your opponent can still shoot all of your guns at you, so you will eventually die if you're made to roll like thirty uh, five up in ones or four up in ones. Each, each especially if each of those is a uh, multi damage hitting on twos, roll ones, and then winning on twos, roll ones. It's just a lot of efficiency. Okay, okay, I get it. Um, I guess so. Is there anything with Thousand Suns that like maybe they could do that would worry you? I know you've got good shooting, you've got your castle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the things like we we had Liam on relatively recently from Down Under, and he was talking about how with his Thousand Suns, he was normally kind of getting the most mileage out of just playing the playing the secondaries, getting a really reliable mutate landscape, mm -hmm. uh, really just really good secondaries in general, and then going for killing his opponent's uh, you know mobile parts. And then using like warp time and redeploys to just play the primary game a little bit better. Yeah. And do you think that you'd be able to kill them in time to break that kind of a game plan? Um, so it, it is. It's like I, I won't lie. I won't say it's easy, but it's um, it's it's achievable. Um, but the main thing with Thousand Suns because I haven't had I've had the most games against them. I've only had a few games, select games against them against like Terminator spam, etc. It's it's hard for them to get rid of your uh, like, like your redeploy aspect, it's like etc. Like as I said, uh, not your redeploy, your fast moving aspects, etc. Because like you, you, they've got loads of uh, AP, AP two, uh, it's a, a weaponry. But even if they're shooting all of those with prescience into let's say Vanguard vets, if those Vanguard vets are touching cover, you still have a free up save, and then because of your iron hands, you also have a five up for no pain, so you're mitigating a lot of the damage. So you can usually take the brunt of it. Uh, as long as you're not eating the mortal wounds to the face, you can take the brunt of the actual shooting and then still hit back. Um, pretty, pretty damn hard uh, because, it, as I said, the squads do have uh, thunder hammers. Sergeants have thunder hammers. Um, so in that case, you could because minus one damage doesn't work in melee. But I, I think my overall game plan of them is just try and limit where they can go with their redeploy, uh, etc. That's where the infiltrators come clutch and it's against matchups, other matchups that can redeploy. Um, they just help me screen out a quarter or half of the board if I string them out, and that really limits where that it just really limits where the thousand suns player can go. They can only redeploy in certain aspects, uh, in certain areas. And if he goes in those certain areas, uh, let's say um, I've screened out my whole deployment zone, and like uh, another half of the board, uh, was it called? Uh, not another half, and another third of the board. That he, the thousand sun player only really has certain areas that he can go to. Uh, which they're all not like they're not the most optimal options for him, uh, but they are not the best either. So I just try to limit their options. Uh, if, if they take the mutated landscape, then I do know they have to be on the objective. Then, so well, not on the objective, they have to be near the objective. So as you can imagine, I, it, it helps me predict where they're gonna go if they take secondaries like that because they have to be no, near the, near those objectives to mutate it. So it also helps me plan with my deployment or where they go. So if they do want to mutate landscape, this one objective. All of a sudden, they were in Vanguard charge range, and all of a sudden, I can potentially go in there and do some damage and remove their prime, remove their points. Yeah. Uh, one of the um, question I had on the matchup is basically they do a ton of mortal wounds, and they can actually target your normally untargetable dreadnought, select what they shoot at with their psychic powers, basically, with some of them. So, 
given that you're a very elite Marine army and relying on things like the bodyguard rule to keep your dreadnought alive, and they kind of bypass all of those defenses, do you, do, are you concerned about their damage output, or is it simply just how quickly you can kill them? Um, the contempt usually stays outside of their threat ranges, because as you, as you said right now, it's, they can do a lot of mortal wounds. Uh, but a lot of them are usually the closest or within line of sight. So I, I can w- usually uh, wiggle my way around it with terrain. Or if if I can't, I will literally just put a Redemptor and a Landspeeder in front of it so that I can usually Landspeeder in front of the Redemptor so, just so I can spend one CP for five up for more previous mortal wounds. So it will take on average of like a, an average of uh, nine to ten mortal wounds before before you even cut through the Landspeeder. And then there's still Redemptor and then the Contemptor. And I would also mean they're within, if, if they're within threat range, uh, if, if I'm within their, uh, what's it called, mortal wound threat range, it usually means they're within my threat, uh, my charge range and my shooting range. So it also means I can do the damage back if I really need to. Yeah, makes sense to me. John, yeah, any my, other chaos um, matchups you want to go through? Um, you know, I, I think Death Guard actually, uh, I would imagine it's actually relatively similar to, uh, to Thousand Suns for you. Just that Death Guard are usually a little more durable and Thousand Suns are usually a little more mobile. Yeah. Um, is there much of a difference in how you approach those ones? Not really. With Death Guard, uh, if they don't take the block drones, it's usually just they move five inches and you move twelve. So it's like you've got a seven inch dis- discrepancy right off the bat, and you also have the chaplain. So you oh yeah, add another eight inches. You you, you can usually like they're durable, uh, like but they're so slow that they can't really contest your backfield objectives. So you could primary is usually not a problem. Uh, and even stuff like banners because they can't really contest your banners because the terminators are not upset. And you are you are starting usually will be with rights of war. Um, it's it's death card is uh, it's it's also the, the fact that they're so slow is usually it usually means it's easier again to predict their movements and where they do go. So you can usually just plan around it. It's not it's it's, it's relatively straightforward. Right on. Uh, I I agree with that. I think one of the things that I've noticed with Marines, at least of the non-white scar variety, is that you're fast, but you're not so fast that you just choose where you're going every turn you know you don't just decide i'm just going to go wherever i want all the time yeah but you're fast enough to kind of make up uh the distance between you and your opponent when you need to and as long as you plan it out you're going to be fast enough to get there yeah whereas your opponent may not actually be able to respond especially in the case of something like death guard yeah right on well let's uh let's move on uh let's move on into some of the xenos armies here Ooh. um obviously we've had a, a few changes uh quite a few changes i should say oh. to uh some of the main ones that we're going to be talking about but I'm still going to start off by talking about Dark Eldar. Um, a lot of Dark Eldar, um, their strengths are still there. They went up in cost recently, but then they got some points debuffs. You know, you see Talos and Grotesques. Uh, I haven't seen much as far as tournament results go yet because it's so new. But uh, everywhere I go, I hear the name Thick City. Oh, and it seems like people are either going to just be a worse MSU army than before, or they're going to have some Homunculus Coven's elements, you know, especially with Artisans of Flesh for minus one damage. Again, really useful into uh, just in general for slowing down uh, incoming firepower. But they're mostly just going to have some really good mobile units instead of all of the good mobile units. Yeah. So what? So hopefully, ho- hopefully people do go to Fix City because it's more um, like uh, it's it's just more manageable. Uh, but like Drukari was one of the harder matchups up there uh, with uh, like I think Custodies. Just for the sheer fact that you have like tw- they have twenty seven, they have like twenty six or twenty seven units, so a ridiculous amount of units that are hyper efficient. They're all fast. They all they can all be damaging. They all have loads of CP. They have all the smash characters. It's um, it's really hard to play against a good Drukari opponent. Like it's manageable because uh, you you have the, the Contemptor, you have the uh, Vanguard, uh, you, you have the Vanguard veteran. So they have a five up, uh, so they have a five funnel pain on top of an Invan. So stuff like so, a squad of incubi on average wouldn't kill five vanguard vets, for example. So it's it does help, I mean, mitigating that. But yeah, uh, it's it is it's definitely not an easy one. It's usually um, uh, mission dependent. If it's uh, five objective missions, usually you can outscore them with uh, secondaries because you'll have uh, wild secondary over them, which would be off, and they wouldn't have off. Um, but yeah, the Jukari matchup is definitely a tricky one uh, because of the hyper MSU hyper mobile. But because that got enough in the data slate, I, I do 100% think that it makes the matchup a lot easier because people will start to pivot towards more grotesque, more Talos, which are considerably, well, they are considerably more durable, but also, it also means they have considerably less units. So there's less for me to actually focus on and worry about 
Because my main problem with Jukara is, okay, if I kill this Raider, this is going to come out of it. It's going to be upset on this objective. If I kill this Raider, this Archon is going to come out and can potentially go dead next turn. If I shoot them there, there's more guys here. So I need to, I, I, it was always a very thin balance with Jukari. You had to really know what to shoot. You, you, you couldn't mess up target priority because if you mess up target priority and they got off onto an objective, that would just like, literally just be the end. I'm, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's happening a few times to Unic. Now, how many times would people kill a raider and then you would disembark behind a wall so, uh, somewhere safer where you can actually project an even better threat range? That's the go-to move. Or like leave a raider right off an objective and dare you to shoot it so then I get onto it. A lot of tricks to Drukari. But I, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit with your uh, assessment of Dick City. I've, I've put it on the board a little bit and not like a proper version. I put like a medium number of grotesques and a moderate amount of talus down. But I think there's a critical mass point. And I'm thinking like, six Talos, 10 to 15 Grotesques, and then also some Kronos and Dark Technos, um, all with minus one damage on those Talos and Grotesques. Because your your Grav just isn't that great with minus one damage going mitigating their bonus against the better armor saves. Multi-Melt is slap. I'm not going to take that away. Multi-Melt is hurt. But then uh, the Volkai Dread, you know, minus one damage isn't great for him either. And those Talos going up to 2007, that sucks. And then they heal, of course. So... I think there you can push into the middle with just, you know, here's a hundred wounds of really tough to kill stuff, and you they're good at defending against your two damage and volume, and then you're gonna be forced to fight them with your um your uh what's it called? You're gonna be forced to fight them with your Vanguard vets, and then that can work, but then the problem with that is they have interrupts and all kinds of stuff. So when you slam multiple Vanguard vets and what you don't want to do, as you said in part one. They can mitigate that. So if you send one at a time, I don't think that's fast enough. Why do you think it's fine for you? Well, it's fine in the fact that that list has considerably less upset because, as you said, they go heavier into Talos, Kronos, and Grotesques. And as I said, my army can is is upset in the fact that it's cool. So if if they do send, let's say, everything into the middle, and I don't want to overly commit, I can just have Eliminators advance. Uh, shoot the sergeant and then move normally again and just string them out for obsec to uh, deny uh, deny them so I, it, it's easier to deny to, to, uh, to deny them primary and this is so as i said it comes back again to it's a lot easier to predict their movements because they also can considerably slower they can advance they can advance and charge from turn two but they are considerably slower they're not moved they're not high pack switches uh in red grief that can go like 23 inches in a turn um so it's a lot easier to predict their movements which means it's also a lot easier for me to actually move around and shoot and also the grotesques, uh, like as you said, the minus one damage, five or pain is all very annoying. But I have to disagree with you on the Volkai again, because uh, the Volkai just uh, is just sheer amount of one damage they need to take with mortal wounds. Uh, it, it might not kill a squad, but it will do enough. It will do enough damage. And the goal in that mind is, as I said, as I mentioned earlier, is just stay twenty four inches away with the devastators in one flank and force them to shoot. Uh, if, if I mean that doesn't have much shooting, so I force them to charge. Uh, and if they if they have the Chronos, the Chronos guess uh, won't be minus one damage, or else their flames don't do don't don't really do any damage. Um, in that case, uh, so I focus the Chronos. The Chronos are dead. They've lost their ranged output. They now have to come forward next to me to get into combat to actually do damage. And if they do that, they're closer to the Dreadnoughts, which are very very efficient into them because of flat three plus D three for hitting on threes or four rerolls, sixes explode. And winning on twos, rolling ones, uh, and then you're forcing the six up in one usually. Even with minus one damage, you're on average doing uh, four to five wounds. Uh, no, sorry, you're doing uh, four to five damage per hit uh, gone through. So it's 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 still a considerable amount. And because that army has considerably less models as well, it's probably only going to have like twenty grotesques and was it called like six Talos and six Chronos? So you said everyone it becomes an elite army, and every model that dies, every unit that dies, means a lot more. So let's say they overcommit in my shooting. I only kill, let's say, uh, like, was it called three chrono? Like I, I, I kill two chronos. I win another one. I kill a couple grotesque, etc. If I can do that for just a few turns, and that's that's without melee, I can do that for a few turns while still denying them primary, because uh, it's a lot, it's a lot harder for them to deny me primary. Because again, I'm obsec, and I'll have characters on objectives that they can't charge because they they will lose the shooting elements. Um, they they can't really deny me the, the primary in the same way I can deny them the primary. Okay, I I, I can I can kind of see how that that game plan is going to go. Honestly, I'm I'm still not really sure what the the thick city is going to look like on the table. You know exactly how much is there. I haven't played against it yet. Uh, personally, I'm just happy with it being less 
yes. where you know I was building for the Drukari matchup before and I was making it work as best as I could. If I just have to do the same thing but less, I will accept that, you know, the Talos are minus one damage now. And, you know, I think you're right. If if there's less stuff, less fast moving units, yeah. instead of having to kill all of the Dark Eldar in one turn, now it's I'm going to kill Dark less Dark Eldar, but maybe I have two turns to do it. Exactly. That's kind of the mindset that I'm taking is I'm willing to not kill as much, but take two shots instead of feeling pressured to do it in one because I've been swamped by Drukari that yeah. just ran at me and said, I bet you can't. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's just it's just a lot less to deal with. So there's a lot less mental tax and a lot less pressure uh, because you know what's in front of you. You know what you need to shoot. You know uh, what to charge. Like it's a very straightforward army. It's 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 a stat check really. It's uh it's it's like Beast of Nurgle or actually uh, yeah it's 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 up there with a Beast of Nurgle list and the oh, what's it called the Penitent Engines. It's a stat check army. Uh, that will run through, it will gatekeep uh, a lot of um, armies from top tables, but I don't think it's one that will win events, because there will be an army that will stat check it, and if it stat checks it, it, it dies. Right on. Okay. Well, uh, let's uh, let's move on to some other Xenos. Um, let's, let's talk about, you know, another one of the big, I don't want to say big losers, but someone who maybe took a little bit of a hit during a uh, yield FAQ. Uh, and of course, talking about orcs now. Um, they feel like they haven't actually changed that much. I know two flyers instead of four, you're not going to be spamming the same buggy over and over, mm-hmm. but they're still going to be about the same amount of stuff and they're going to be using the same rules as before. Yeah. Um, how do you, uh, how, how do you feel about the, um, about them in general, I guess? So previously, uh, uh, previous to the data slate, they, it, the Orcs matchup was literally a roll off. Like it was just, you go first, Cool. Uh, your free beaters as well. That's great. You're going to kill five to six hundred points of my army. If I go first, cool. I'm going to do the exact same, say exactly the same. Uh, ma- mainly due to the planes and people taking six to nine screen buggies over here in the UK. So it was really, really frustrating. Uh, but the fact that they've limited to two planes and three screen buggies, which means that if I go second, I'm only getting shot by five units, really. Uh, it, it means going second, there's a lot more of a game plan now. I don't need to be as worried. There's less uh, stuff to kill. So uh, instead of three wise bombs and three daca jets, like what Manny took to Coventry, there's now only two wise bombs or two daca jets, etc. So there's a lot less. Um, there's a lot less real threats to kill, if that makes sense. Uh, it, it might be supplemented with stuff like war bikers, but I do feel a lot a lot better right now. I, I don't feel the game is as much as a roll off these orcs anymore um, as it previously did because the I'm, I'm pretty sure you can agree. Like the four four to six planes is rather toxic. Um, and honestly, a planes was like the main weakness of the drop pod because six planes could screen the entire board, and which meant the drop pod couldn't come down. Which was would which actually it would be the reason why I would lose a lot of my games going second. These uh, like six Admac planes and six old planes, just because you're unable to bring the drop pod down anywhere because the entire board's been screened out, so you're not able to do any real damage. But with that gone, with the data state changes, however, um, where they can take a lot less stuff. And it's a lot harder for them to screen you out but because they have less stuff. Uh, like my damage hasn't decreased, but their amount of damaging units has decreased. If that does make sense, so it just feels a, it's a lot more manageable, a lot more manageable of a matchup. But I haven't had to play a game against uh, new orcs yet, so I wouldn't be able to give you a full real rundown of it. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of still waiting to see how the other uh, new Octarius rules make a splash as well, mm. because we're essentially getting those at the same time. Um, I feel like we're just going to kind of see some of these lists just just immediately fold it over into running the new Octaria stuff where you take the two WAS bombs, the three rocket trucks, the three scrap jets, and from there I, I think they're just going to pivot into death copters instead of the second tournament, um, etc. Yeah. I'm sorry, not the second, um, the second unit of uh, scrap jets. Tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, I, it's just, well, it's less buggy, so you know it, it, it's a positive. It is a positive. Do you think that if Orculus pivot into just less vehicle spam in general, you still take your your super wise bomb planes and some buggies, of course? But do you think if they add like beast snagger boys or kill rigs or squig hog boys, any of that other stuff that we see we've seen less commonly, is that a concern for you at all? Um, I see. I played Vista Kill Rig variants uh, before people were like because uh, people were spamming like were having spamming buggies here for such a long time that you're just so used to it. But the Kill Rigs, um, they they're great. I've, I've played against them at uh, tournaments. I've played against them on TTS, um, but they're not really that much of an issue. 
um, for, for the sole fact that they are T8, they do have loads of wounds, but they're effectively, durability-wise, they are tank commanders with an invan and minus one damage. They're, they're, so they're effectively tank commanders in that respect, uh, which all, all that really means is that they still die to, uh, what's it called, D6 damage, high-volume AP, D6, uh, D6 weaponry. And stuff like Plasma, which is uh, Strength 9, uh, where it wins on freeze, it's it it is it just helps. Um, kill rigs as a whole are not a big of an issue. Um, just for the I mean for for the sole fact that it's one big model because instead of because uh, I can say for a fact that two scrap jets is more annoying to kill than one kill rig. Yeah, just yeah. because you get to focus fire, you get to actually you know line up everything on it and just dump shots and just make it go away. Yeah, it's it's just it's a, it's it's a lot more manageable to deal with. Like it, for example, it's like it's a lot easier to kill a single knight than it is to kill uh, three uh, helvrins. Mm -hmm. You yeah. can pump all your firepower into one. You don't have to worry about splitting. You don't have to worry about leaving one on one wound. You can just—it's less mental tax. You just focus more of your firepower into that one unit. Do a lot more damage into that one unit, which does help. Yeah, and also it's nicer for overkill. Like a multi melter that rolls nine damage, or like two multi melters destroy a buggy, no problem. But then, um, you know, they're just. That it's wasted damage, yeah. Wasted. It's, it's going into the kill rig and just doing more damage. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. I think it's a little new and untested, so we can leave it at that for that for now. Um, Tyranids, though. Tyranids. No, no. A hot topic. John, you play some Tyranids. What's that about? Oh, yeah. Um, this is the one that I was waiting for. Of course, I'm saving my favorite Xenos for last. No. Um, we got to talk about Tyranids. So <laughs> they've got the new Octarius rules. You know, High Fleet Leviathan is basically reinvented the faction yeah. it's all the same units that you remember with a couple new additions but mostly it's the uh it's a, a sharp rise in damage output from an army that was traditionally fragile but you know it was uh, also kind of hard to get to grips with you know tyranids have very very good speed they are much faster than space marines they have access to some of the best indirect in the game um again they're made of tissue paper but they've always been a really good control army that if you can't get to grips with them, you're going to get punished by turn after turn of them wailing on you. Um, I know we've seen some variations. I'm personally in favor of one unit of Hive Guard. Uh, I know that notoriously Manny has already won a tournament with three units of six, just uh, busting out that max number. Uh, how do you feel about tournaments? Have you gotten any new games into, the, into their rules yet? I, I don't need to get new games against them because there was a time, uh, I think you remember this, when... The Forge World uh, FAQ come out, or points cards came out, and Demacherons were, were pretty viable. Um, Nids were everywhere on TTS, and at the time I was playing on TTS, and I could tell you, I've never had more losses against any against any faction apart from Tyranids, because the Hive Guard, because people predominantly take Tyranids of Hive Guard, and it's just such an efficient profile against uh, like Marines, just strength eight. AP2, ignore cover. So against uh, Storm Shows, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're winning Vanguards of Vets on twos. They can't transhuman. You're D3 damage. So on average, you're killing a Vanguard Vet and you're forcing the in one. And you've got to take 36 battle cannon shots out of line of sight a turn that has that have exploded, that have real ones and exploded sixes. It's just an insane amount. Um, especially if you, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you are, you might touch up on this later on. But when you, when you combo them with blips, so they're actually unshootable usually turn one if you angle them properly and unchargeable turn one because of the blips. So all of a sudden you just have this, just just this craziness of you have untargetable hive guard that shoot for a turn to two turns that have exploding sixes. It's it's just it's just insane. And then you have gene stealers that can triple move in kraken and charge and then after they've killed something and now with the because they have uh tesla on sixes uh they just do a bit more damage it's yeah it's now nids 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 are probably now by like comfortably the hardest faction to play against for me <laughs> they're just so good at rinsing marines it's insane nids have yeah, always I've been gotta say that, uh, i i feel real confident in the marine matchup whenever i put plug yeah, on the table yeah. um so <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> I was curious if you'd see it the same way. I'm not shocked that you do. I don't think that it's completely untenable. Yeah. Um, my experience with NIDs so far, uh, you know, after picking them back up for the first time in a while, because, uh, you know, I, I certainly took my own Marina break off of Tyranids, has been that the army very much feels like a house of cards, mm. where it's really, really impressive when it all gets working. Yeah. But sometimes you hit that point where it falls over. Like, 
if oh. someone messes up one angle and the Devastators can shoot Hiveguard. Oh. Or maybe they decided to save some command points and they decided not to take blips. Uh, there, there certainly can be some problems. Oh yeah, yeah. If, uh, if, if my opponent doesn't take blips, what, the game plan goes to tag it. I mean, usually, to be fair, what I played against Hiveguard, the main plan was always, how can I tag them? Literally, it's just, there's nothing else I care about, is how can I tag them? Uh, especially more, now more than ever, because now that they, they can reroll damage, they have chapter master rerolls, they can get plus one to hit, can get exploding sixes, uh, all, 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 all of that stuff. Because um, previously, the way to the way that I combated Hiveguard was because you're going to realize when, when, when people say Nid, they mean Hiveguard. When people combat Hiveguard, uh, the old way was to touch dense so they don't get exploding sixes to hit and then minus one to hit. But that doesn't work anymore because of the plus one to hit, the chapter master rerolls, and the sixes to hit, exploding sixes becoming unmodified. So the damage output is just through the roof. Mm -hmm. So, and Marie, I've, I, I can I can assure you, like Jaime's probably gone through the same thing because I've I've played I've I've played Nid myself, so I know the strength of Hive Guard is you give them three turns of shooting, your opponent won't have an army. But if you tag them once, you can usually tag them again, and then they become useless because once they're tagged, they're not really great. Um. But yeah, it's just an insane amount of non-line of sight that's really hard to deal with. You can still, you, you, you're almost reliant on the need opponent to make mistakes. So if they're not an experienced need player, you can definitely abuse it and you can lose it called go for those charges, go for those angles that you said. However, uh, if they are, it's, it becomes really hard. So let's say, because uh, like, there's clearly a difference in skill set with the player like Alex McDougal versus your casual need player. Um, in how they handle, how they approach the army, um, I, I think, yeah, it's 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 it's, a, it's just going to be rough, especially for space is going to be rough. You're going to have to rely on your opponents to be make a couple more mistakes and really really hammer in on those mistakes. Uh, like if they don't screen properly, you can go for a seven inch charge from deep strike, I, which honestly is something I think I have to gamble on at this point, despite how much I hate seven inch charges. Um, but yeah, nids nids is rough for I think any marine. I've well, seen I, different Iron Hands builds in the past that are completely on a different premise than you, but um, I've seen builds trying to do like big Terminator bricks or Blade Guard and then buff them up with plus one save and feeling pain. Now, if you get a Storm Shield Terminator walking around with a zero up armor save, Hive Guard aren't going to do anything to that. They're still taking twos, and then you can really just walk through the Nid army. If Nids are such a menace as the meta may adapt to them to be, do you think that could be a direction you go with this army? Um, I actually, so before I had the Contemptor, I actually had five, uh, before the Contemptor and the um, Grey Knights and Thousand Sons release, I actually, I was running five Blade Guard veterans with uh, Sci Steel Armor and an Apothecary. So I was running that sort of combo. Um, so like, it, it, might, it might be something that I have to go back into, but the main problem with that, if I pivot in that direction and try to, Tailor too much for literally Hive Guard. It really it's our, my other matchups start to suffer a lot more because uh, it means I need to find 175 points. I need to five points for a um, Psyker again, which means again my Grey Knight matchup becomes worse because I don't have 15 points for Abhor. It also means that I, I need to be reliant on Psychic powers. So it also means that that character becomes useless in like a Thousand Suns matchup, like an Auto Deny Grey Knight matchup, even with the Nid matchup because do uh, got Shadow and a Warp. And it can make me cast in one d six. I think there's too many negatives to uh, instead of the positive. And another problem with it is that those um, those terminators with a zero up save, as you said, uh, might not um, die to hive guard because uh, like it's, it is they are just that durable. But they'll still be winning on two. They'll still be winning on two ups. Uh, gene stealers will still absolutely rinse them, uh, so it doesn't matter. And this. It, Absurd amount of points. It's forty-three points for a more for a unit that cannot get transhuman because there's a significant difference between them and Dark Angels, where they're always permanently transhuman, where they, their leadership is not really a problem. Um, this is unfortunately it's not the case over here. Uh, so there's a lot less synergies with the Iron Hands ones, and you need a lot more support than what you really would like in order to make it work. Okay. Okay. Um, I I personally I've played against the Iron Hand Terminator brick. Frankly, it got ignored. It definitely got both a moment and an objective in the center, and it never did anything else in the game, and I just kind of walled it off when I needed to and ran away from it when I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that that right there is the answer. Um, I honestly, I, I just kind of wonder about changing damage profiles. 
um, just to try to carve through the screens a little bit faster. Uh, one of the things that I've seen in a lot of nidlists is if you, the Iron Hand player, can afford to wait, there is a point where they run out of stuff and then the drop pod can be a lot more effective. Yep. Where I've seen plenty of nid players that have like the 18 hive guard, their genius throw swarmlord. And after that, you basically get like one unit of gaunts and you're out of points. Yep. And if they if they're a little lighter on the screen and you can kill the screening very, very quickly, which yeah, your army, you know, it shoots a little bit. Um, <laughs> maybe if you can carve that apart, the drop pod can come in turn two or three. And hey, if you get shot by Harvard twice and then you take a big chunk out of them, maybe that's enough that you still have an army left. Yeah. Um, I haven't done the math on it exactly how quickly the other unbuffed Hive Guard squads go uh, into Marines because I only run one. But uh, I I still imagine it's it's fast, but it's still survivable. You're getting saves. They're rolling damage. You can potentially have a feel no pain. Um, I, I can imagine you can keep something alive, even if you're not keeping everything alive. Yeah. No, so that literally what you said was how was like I think the next part is going to touch on how I would approach it. Uh, I, I just have to suck it up for a turn or two and kill their chef because, as you said, uh, like Manny's list is actually a prime example of it. Eighteen hive guard and two squads of gene sealers, which are not the most durable screens. He doesn't want to use them as screens. So at that point, I start to use the characters a little bit, uh, a little bit more, uh, if that makes sense. So I'll have characters behind like. Um, uh, either behind company veterans uh, on an objective or in front of dreads, etc., instead of Vanguard vets, and just tank the shooting for a turn, kill the screens, uh, well, kill the limited screens, and then go for charges. Because um, the game plan in, in that case, if I go first, the Vanguard vets all advance forward, everything advances forward because I will more than likely have no target, and not death ball, but effectively force them to either kill everything or get tagged next turn or like basically commit resources commit the gene stealers kill, commit swarm lord etc to keep me at bay and if they do do that then, then as you said the turn after the drop pod comes down it shoots and it goes for seven inch charges as well so there is definitely like a game plan around it it's just not a game plan that i like to rely on because I, I don't like to rely on seven inch charges i don't like to rely on potentially going first and taking one less turn of shooting than what i would like um but it's you, 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 there's not much you can do in that aspect. You can control the controllables. Uh, I did say, um, depending on the caliber of uh, turned opponent, uh, some matchups will be easier than others because there are, I think at the same event, there was a turned player who had 12 Hive Guard who was uh, at the bottom of the pile. So it just goes to show it's not just a pick-up army. So I will be able to... It's, it's, it is some an area where you can leverage player skill, which is still nice. Yeah, for sure. You know, Tyranids, if you're, if you're the worst player and you're playing with Tyranids, it is very easy to make mistakes. I consider myself a good Tyranid player, and I still make mistakes that are very, very punishing whenever I, I see them materialize. Um, I, I think, you know, any way you can get extra movement is going to be massive against Nids. I think that, uh, you know, even like on a go turn, you're probably even auto-passing the uh, the Canticle of Hate to get the both the charge bonus. And I actually would think that the pile and consolidate bonus is 100%. perhaps even the most important part. 100%. If a, yeah, if an inexperienced Marine player just screens a little bit worse than they should, or they put a unit in between their deep strike screens and their close screens. I mean, that could be as simple as, you know, for some space marine tactics, like shooting the, the middle screens out and then charging the outer screens, kill them with the van vets, and then like a devastator squad or a land speeder, uh, you know, piles and consolidates and tries to get all the way into the hive guard. And if you can pull it off, it is game changing. Exactly that. Just 100% exactly that. Exactly. All right, well... I think that was it on Xenos for me. I do want to go through some of the uh, some of the Imperium, of course. Yeah, uh, there's there, obviously there's a lot of Imperium factions. <laughs> um, there's I, I like to start off, you know, with Space Marines, of course, and I usually start off with the melee focused Space Marines. Um, I know what you're saying. Every every Space Marine's a melee army, but some of them do it a little more loudly and proudly than the others. Um, into something like White Scars and or Blood Angel Space Wolves. I think white scars would be the most challenging because of the speed difference when you're both packing Vanguard veterans. Yeah. Uh, what is your game plan like? You know, white scars hit hard enough that they can kill van vets. Um, you've got the feel no pain. You usually will outshoot them. What What does it look like? Um, so actually, I, I had a fun game where I played these white scars at um, the you know, event last month. Um, you just need to fight them very early on. You can't like you can't allow them to hide uh, for three turns and then pounce on you with the entire army. You need to take, not bites, you, uh, you need to force chunks out of them. So you need to be aggressive with the drop pod. Not aggressive enough where 
you leave the drop pod on an objective where they nine inches away from the white scar army, where the entire army can just you know advance into it and charge it, but aggressive enough where if they do decide to charge a drop pod, they get either charged back with Vanguard veterans because again, white scars hit hard. Obviously, southern marines did decently hard, um, but they don't really like they, they can't take a punch as well because they don't have access to those feel no pains, to those extra dur durability, durability stretch. And additionally. Dreadnoughts uh, use redemptors against them, uh, especially if they go the heavy the heavy melee of like loads of vanguard veterans. Um, it was it's, one squad of vanguard veterans isn't going to kill a dreadnought, especially because the minus one damage. Uh, so you cut that damage up in half. Um, but yeah, overall you just need to be really aggressive because your profiles are really good into uh, was it called space marines? Because you have grav, which means every single failed save at AP four will kill, kill a marine. So if they don't have a storm shield, every marines uh, if, if that's a, that's a dead model. Uh, and as also as you already know as a marine player you don't really have that many units like well you can have loads of units but you don't have loads of models you'll typically only ever have i think in my army i have like 20 to 30 models and that's even like that's a stretch i only have uh two like, i don't have that many vehicles compared to other people but you just need to force the fight early on you gotta because you, you're in devastated doctrine that's your like that's your pride and joy that's when you hit the hardest that's when you're going to do the most damage. If you can do damage in Devastator Doctrine, even if you can only shoot uh, two squads with the Devastators, that's completely fine. You're taking bites out of them. You are forcing them to deal with the drop pod. They don't have as much shooting as other factions, so they can't really shoot the Devastators dead. They have to charge the Devastators dead, which means then then they're having to spend two CP to put them into Assault Doctrine, which also means they have to split attacks. It, it's, 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 it starts to spiral out. Basically, you, you want it to be controlled chaos you don't want um complete chaos because then a white scars will thrive and just advance somewhere charge and then fall back and charge and be really uh, aggravating to deal with you do need to basically just fight them early on before the entire army pounces on you turn three because that's the last thing I, I would personally want against white scars that if like a thousand five hundred points of their army charging me turn three with um you know plus one damage it's, it's just not great it's not it's not something you want so you just got to take bites out of the army early on and uh still just start waiting on them because do you, you think first turn matters a lot here i find first turn risk guards is actually pretty important um because if if they go first then they only have to do two of their turns before they re but, sorry let me rephrase that if they go first you only get two turns before they just kill you and being their turn three Whereas if you go first, you get three turns before they go into I'm going to kill you mode. Do you think, and, and they also get, if they go first, get to set up in the midfield a little bit and get that extra board control early, which makes it harder to take an aggressive stance. Um, Blood Angels play a similar game where they try to go first and just control the table. Do you think that that's a big factor in the Marine matchup? Um, I mean, to be fair, if they go first, I've, I, I have an advantage right off the bat because I now score off a moment easier. All of a sudden, I have that secondary advantage just right off the bat, um, which is which which is big. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can. You can I'm, I'm sure John's played the marine matchup uh, these other other marines a couple times, and second turns come in useful because you're scoring off a lot easier. If they decide to throw something in the middle for off, you can clear it out. So you're denying them to a turn because you you will always be able to kill anything in the middle with iron hands. It's just it's just how the army functions. No, nothing really survives in front of you. Um, if 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 they do go first, you just need to basically put like step on the gas and accelerate it. Uh, start to move in slightly, start moving slightly aggressively with the Vanguard veterans. Uh, move forward with the with, with the dread. Start this. This is where I wouldn't be afraid of just moving the dread up forward turn one, unless they have eradicators that can shoot me. You n not always, and even if they, if so, if they do advance, it's only one shot per eradicator, and most people would only take three, so you only 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 really going to eat three shots. Uh, but yeah, just don't be afraid to be, um, what's it called, to actually hold out on a drop pod. Uh, if, if, if as, as you said, if you think you're going second, if you're going second and you can really, if, if you don't have any good targets turn one, uh, just, don't be, just don't be afraid to hold out of it until turn three. Because when they do come down, uh, when, they do pounce on, uh, when they do pounce on you, having those devastators really, really goes a long way. Especially with Master Artisans and Real Ones and have given the plus one to hit litany on one of those squads. Every failed save will be a dead Vanguard vet, will be a dead uh, Blade Guard, will be a dead uh, so Intercessor. It, it, it adds up, I'm, I'm pretty sure, especially as a Marine player, I don't like being shot by Grav. So I'm, I can probably appreciate that device, like it's, it's probably the same on the other hand. 
But yeah, going second isn't as big as a detriment as you would think because you're still scoring off here and you're denying them off. So it's a free, you're accumulating a three-point uh, lead per turn, really, in theory, and you have the end-of-game scoring. So if you can deny them the primary, you also have a primary lead in that case. Yeah, right I could definitely um, see that. You, you mission advantage. I'm sorry? I was saying you, you just lean into the mission advantage that comes with naturally going second. Correct. Right on. Do you ever worry about white scars being able to... Uh, just wait like you know you talk about trying to apply the pressure take the chunks out if there's enough terrain um are you worried that the white scar player may be able to just you know do the same thing as you use a character bodyguard to stick a chaplain on an objective hide on one objective out of line of sight and then just you know get 10 10 primary raise their own banners and just wait till turn three um or do you think that the i guess is that with advantage if you go second here enough because like sometimes i'll go second and I will literally just take two turns of sitting my deployment zone, like waving at my opponent, telling them to go. And yeah. if they can't come dig into me and do enough, because yeah. what I would try to do here is I would, you know, I, I love my white scars. Mm. What I would try to do is make sure that uh, if you are all the way, you know, in with the drop pod to get an angle on me, then you're away from your army and I can try to charge you and, and tag it away from your army so that I can then fall back and do things without getting immediately countercharged by your van vets. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just try to position such that you don't get to drop the drop pod in midfield and get me. And I acknowledge if you want to put that drop pod in my deployment zone, you're shooting me. And that probably sucks. But if you don't make that call on turn one, then you're not going to be as effective as it if you're away from the castle. And if you're not away from the castle, you may not get the angles. Huh. And maybe that's like a you know density of terrain difference. But I've been able to do that a couple of times with white scars where when people line up the guns, I'm just like, you know what? I actually am willing to wait. I will, I will wait here until you come out. Yeah. I mean, it's, as you said, one is a big terrain difference. In I mean, in the UK, like with LGT, you can still hide a good amount of your army. However, uh, a lot of the uh, like one objective, like on Overrun, for example, one of the objectives is just completely in the open. You can bodyguard and do that, but um, in cases like those, I, I will not be afraid to just move five Vanguard vets forward to charge them into the chaplain, to charge them into a character, and vice versa for you as well, right? But the only difference in that case is like. My bodyguard is a dreadnought that has minus one damage, or your bodyguard is just a chaplain uh, that doesn't have minus one damage. That it can transhuman, but doesn't matter with, with doesn't really matter with lightning claws really. And doesn't have access to a film or pain. Um, so it's it it's it starts to become a game of chess rather than just I kill you, Ugabunga, you kill me, Ugabunga. Um, so it is one of the slightly more tactical ones, but it, it doesn't ma uh, matter on really. the mission. One is really important. If it's stuff like that, if so, I'll be like, all right, cool, mate. My stuff's in the middle right now. I'm going to charge you next turn. And I'll actually, I'll bring the fight to you comfortably because we're only 18 inches away. Uh, but if it's stuff like, um, what's it called, vital intel, where speed is really important, I will also, I'll try to step on the pedal, on the gas, as fast as possible. Because I, I, I just can't let you reach that turn three spike, um, especially if you're going second and they have the bottom turn scoring. Because you, you you just need to you, you need to go fast. You need to go hard early on. Because white scars don't want to go fast and hard early on. They want to go fast and hard. Uh, usually, you know, turn free. All right. Well, uh, let's let's move on from the traditional Space Marine uh, chapters. Uh, of course, there is one Space Marine left, but they do not follow the Codex Astartes. Um, let's kind of talk about the big bad in the room. You know, uh, I think Grey Knights are notable as being like probably the best army that didn't get addressed in the, the recent balance update. Mm -hmm. um, we've already seen them doing very well in tournaments this past weekend. I think just this last weekend alone, the first after the balance update, I think they won three events at least. Yeah, I saw at least three and then they were undefeated some more. Um, Grey Knights, uh, honestly, there aren't a lot of lists to talk about here. It really seems to be they're yeah. doing four or five Dread Knights and then 20 or 30 Interceptors, sometimes five and 30. And then maybe a little bit of chaff, but it's basically all the same archetype. Yeah, pretty much. Um, how do you feel about that matchup? Uh, do you think you shoot enough to deal with it? Do you think you can deal with the mobility they present? Uh, how do you feel? So I've actually, so I literally played against, I think, almost an identical list of Jack Hopsters uh, a while ago at the Kent GT. Uh, and I think on a favorable mission, you know, Vital Intel, so they can move forward and just put, um, that, they, they can do their BS secondary. It's stupid secondary, uh, but yeah, they can do their BS secondary uh, and just max it like turn three. Um, the beauty of it is that because you have so much multi motor and because like the grab is so good at, against the interceptors, 
and the Motimoto is so good against the Dread Knights, you, all your profiles are actually really, really good against Marines. Because uh, to me, they're just Marines that give abhor and that shoot slightly more in my head. They're not as like it, they're kind of um, they're more durable in the aspect that they can tank AP because they have access to inbuns, but they're not durable in the access because they don't have access to man, uh, to damage reduction. So every failed uh, grav, or sorry, so every grav wound will kill an interceptor, or every failed inbun will be D6 damage with a reroll D6 plus two from your motor range. It also the fact that they give abhor almost counteracts their secondary, if that makes sense. So it's like it's 15 both ways. But then you have the advantage with Oath of Moment. So you have uh, so you do have a secondary advantage. And all of your weapons are hyper-efficient against Marines, just as a rule of thumb, because of the Grav and because of the Multi-Melter and because of the Plasma. It, it, it does, it, it does, it starts to add up. Okay. Do you think, do you feel like the Melter um, is enough, is my question to the Dread Knights? Because some of the things I've experienced when I play Sisters into, uh, <coughs> into Marines is that if I take my shot with my multi-meltas and they roll a little bit above average on four ups. All of a sudden, my only way of killing Dread Knights is combat because I'm going to lose those melta, those melta units immediately. Now, it has to be said, of course, that a Devastator is more durable than a, 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 than a Retributor. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's not an automatic. Yeah, have you felt that way at all? Uh, so I've, I've, I've had a couple of times where um, the multi-melta, like, what was the question? You would spend the in-runs, but the thing like the beauty this this is the beauty about iron hands right is that because your multi-motors are so efficient because you, you you've got the cherub so you've uh so i think i've got in this yes i've got a total of 14 multi-motor shots um eight of which hit on twos with reroll ones and the other eight were hit on threes reroll ones with an artisan reroll it's still hyper efficient on average you almost hit well you'll hit with almost all of them and you're also winning on threes rolling ones and if, if you want to be aggressive, you can come in motor range, um, but you don't really need, like, like all it takes is, like, two failed, like two failed saves from a multi-motor, and that's a dead Dread Knight. You have access to a CP reroll for the damage. You have access to a target protocols to reroll damage as well. So you're actually, like, you're not, it's, it's not like, oh, no, I rolled a one for damage. I need to spend a CP or I don't have a CP. It's like, oh, no, I rolled a one for damage. I can reroll that with target protocols. I know I rolled another bad damage roll. I can also reroll that. And as long as you're not rolling completely terribly, and you, you can still do the damage needed. It's like, I'm not saying you'll kill all five in a turn, etc. but you will do good enough damage. And then usually they will spend their shooting phase trying to get rid of the 10 Devastators because they only really have uh, the strength eight weaponry to kill them. And we ha and because of the five up for no pain, like, you're still expecting both Devastator squads to die. However, you're absorbing a lot more firepower from them. And then you still have two Dreadnoughts shooting with the Redemptors, with the Plasma, and you have the Volkites as well that has AP1, so you can actually take them from two up to a three up with the crack missiles. And on top of that, you still have Vanguard veterans. That if they do, if, if your opponent does charge them, you do have a five up full no pain. So if, even if they use a sweet profile of the Dread Knights, you still do a lot of damage. So it's just it just feels like a trading game where you have um, not more trading, but you have more um, agency because of the drop pod, so you can decide when the fight starts and where it starts, and where you force your opponent to focus you, because uh, you, you can just bring the drop pod down in the forest, all your devastators are not minus one to hit. So yeah, I've actually had it somewhere, some of the devastators have actually survived uh, for, for getting shot by four dread knights because of that minus one to hit. Um, maybe something like Jack's List uh, won't be the exact same because you've got access to so many pluses to hit. Uh, but it'll still take more firepower than what he would like because if they only kill Devastators, that means the Vanguard Vets are fine. That means the Vanguard Vets are charging. That means the Thunder, uh, Thunder Hammers are doing damage. That means the Plasma's Dread, that means the Plasma Dreads and the Contemptors are still shooting. You're still whittling them, them down. And the uh, Devastators, you usually have at least killed a Dread Knight and was it called uh, ten, in uh, 10 Interceptors. Nick, do you have any thoughts on uh, how your Grey Knights would fare into, uh, into some Iron Hands? Yeah, I think Nassim's got the right idea here. The Grav pod is terrifying for me because i don't have screens so i just have to like accept that, that happens um i might even try to use like my teleporting dread knight as a screen along with like five intercessors interceptors who i'm comfortable losing and then if you shoot the teleporting dread knight of course he just leaves and goes somewhere you don't want him to but you can definitely get me to to struggle to actually interact with your army effectively while threatening me with that drop pod coming out of reserve, because I don't want to get shot by that thing. John, the same way you're afraid of uh, the opponent's perspective, you know, what if I spike anvils and then the multi-melters do nothing? 
I have the mindset as the Green Knight player of what if I spike in bulls the wrong way and the multi-melt does overperform because they could totally do that. So it's, um, it's, it's, we're both afraid of each other, which creates a really interesting match. And uh, Nassim noted that basically my purifying ritual is, is kind of countered by his Abhor the Wedge. The difference there is, of course, like with purifying ritual, I can sit on my half of the board in a lot of games and just score it from behind walls. Whereas aboard the witch, you have to come kill me. I think a lot of this match is going to come down to how much of my game plan can I play completely ignoring you. If I have to come fight you, I think I'm in more trouble than I want to be. And if I can just sit behind walls and score more points than you that way, you're not in a good position to dig me out of that. Do you think that's a fair assessment, Steve? That's completely correct. So on missions like Overrun, where you've got three objectives in the deployment zone, Nick will literally, I, I, I can tell you what secondary he's going to take. He's going to take to the last, he's going to take banners, and he's going to take uh, what uh, was it called, Ritual, and he's not going to leave his deployment zone and be happy with a 95. Well, <laughs> I will take banners, I will take off a moment, I will lose because of the, because of Abhor, because all of a sudden my Abhor doesn't counteract his uh, last secondary. And that's exactly it. It's, it's when you when you stop purifying ritual with your abhor because they cancel each other, you're gonna I think you can win the rest of the game. When I just beat you with purifying ritual into your abhor because you can't dig me out, that's when I think I have So it is mission dependent. So like on five objective missions uh, where he can't hide and he has to fight me. Um as you said, like at the other point where you have to fight me, you don't want to because the drop pod is absolutely vicious, the Vanguard bets are absolutely vicious. The devastate, devastators and the dreads and the contempt are all vicious. But like vice versa, you're also vicious. However, outside of your um, uh, the, the silencer, the strength eight one, uh, you're not really going to be doing much damage to marines, like because they're only AP one. It's actually only AP two unless you spend the the thing. So I, 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 I do get armor saves. I do get feel no pain rolls. Uh, my dreads are minus one damage, so. I, Pretty sure, like um, I'm pretty sure when you played against, um, I, f- I think I think it was Jack and the Telemons, and the, uh, I, f- I think that's just an example of, of how it would go, right? You just you don't have it's, it's the minus one damage just does it just neuters so much of um, Grey Knights shooting up. It. The thing I found with Grey Knights is basically there are defensive profiles, and Vanguard Vets and Cover is definitely one of them. Where my army is not efficient at shooting them. Like, of course, if I if I fire ninety shots with AP and multi damage into a unit, it typically dies. But as we've seen, it doesn't in the case of Talamans. Ranger Bricks are another example of things that doesn't kill it. And just Space Marines with a Storm Shield and Cover, I can muscle through that with volume, but that takes a long time. Exactly. Yeah. As you said, it, it takes a long time. And time is not your friend if you're in the open shooting, because then it also means I'm shooting you back. Alrighty, well, uh, I did want to talk about one more army here. Uh, I do want to actually talk about Sisters of Battle, just because uh, I think Sisters ha- were in a great spot, and then in the meta they kind of started to go down. But now with, the, you know, again, that balance FAQ, they actually didn't change at all, mm-hmm. but I could see them becoming more popular, yeah. as I think the the two or three matchups that were worse for them all got a lot more tolerable. You know, they're not easy, but... Uh, uh, sisters, you know, I think that they're one of the best armies in the game yeah. at adopting that I'm going to sit here and do my thing and wait for you to come try to stop me. Yeah. 100%. And that, that's the kind of play style that I could see being a problem for you, where I, I, if they adopt it, obviously they're not killing you, but uh, sisters have very good secondaries for being in their deployment zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, and the, the annoying part, of course, I'm talking about Bodyguard and Celestine here, mm-hmm. uh, is that they can use that to screen without being shot as well where Celestine stretches out to deny the drop pod, angles into the building that's hiding the sacrosins, but then you can't drop the pod anywhere useful because, you know, I can literally just sit for two or three turns and just not let you do anything, and I don't give up the automatic, you know, secondaries of War of the Witch, but I do have my own good secondaries for being right in that spot. Correct. Yeah, no, um, Sisters is one of the tough ones. I was actually uh, pretty happy when they uh, dropped off the meta because of Orcs. So, I- mm-hmm. Kind of hope it stays the same with Hive Guard coming back. Um, but yes, yeah, so literally, just as you said, Celestine extended with the bodyguard. Uh, it is incredibly obnoxious to deal with. It, like, you, you can still deal with it, however, uh, it's harder with recent experience this player. Um, it's also very terrain dependent, mission dependent. If it's stuff like battle lines, it's not really the end of the world because they only have one objective in their back corner, so it's harder for them to actually stand back. If it's stuff like uh, Overrun or Engage, uh, not Overrun, like, over, like, yeah, like Overrun or Direct Assault, where they've got they, they've got access to good secondaries, and because it's, the repenter is still amazing, they, if if anything, they're doing more damage now. 
um, <laughs> it's it it does become challenging. It becomes like I think that th these guys, uh, sisters, white scars, and uh, hive guards. Yeah, sisters, white scars, and hive guard are one of the harder matchups. Uh, Custodians also here and there, mostly because of the deny uh, invents. I know, sorry, of the deny rerolls. But yes, sisters are one of the harder ones just because uh, of bodyguard, like you said. Uh, I, I know how ridiculously overpowered bodyguard is because I use it myself. Uh, you can appreciate it as well. It's the bodyguard alone can we just win your games because first somebody can just not interact with you. Um, so, it, it, uh, the, the, depending on the mission, uh, I would have a different approach to how I would walk around the sisters player. But I, I, I would probably have to sacrifice either of Vanguard bets in order to first initially get rid of Celestine and force her to get back up. Uh, in that case, because she, I think she gets back up without the Gemini, right? That's correct. Yeah. So on, yeah. So she gets back up without the Gemini. So all of a sudden, that stringing does become as possible. So she can't really do it. Um, so I just sacrifice a squad of Vanguard bets for that. It's obnoxious. I don't want to do it, but it, it has to be done uh, in in order to actually kill her. Um, because then all of a sudden that trick doesn't work anymore unless you want to spend an entire turn doing nothing, which I'm completely fine with. Yeah, um, I guess what, you know, one of my fears is that if they're able to just protect Celestine just with distance, you know, like they've got the Repentia usually right behind Celestine, mm -hmm. for you to get into comfortable charge range to get Celestine next turn, does that put you in a Repentia threat range? Are you willing to take that kind of a trade? You know, a one unit of like eight Repentia for unit of uh, Vanguard veterans. I'd be, uh, I, don't, I don't actually know on that actually if that's I'd, if that's who that's good for. I'd be I, I, I think I'd be more mediocrely happy with that trade because uh, like the repentia like as 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 much as it's hard for them to whiff, the possibility still exists just for just for because they still need to hit they still need to wound because they don't have plus one to wound anymore so they can't just win me on twos. So that there is a failure point of them winning me on threes unless you want to spend two CP to auto wound on sixes to hit, which is okay but you don't always want to do it because then you haven't spent CP. And then there's still the, the there's still the point of failure with the four up invans and the five up funeral pains, uh, which can mitigate damage a lot because it's, there's two damage. Um, but yes, it's, it's as you said. Um, I, I would have the chaplain to help break the distance a little bit. But usually, with Celestine, you're stringing her forward. You're not stringing her backwards. If you're stringing her backwards, she's further away from me. And if she's further away from me, then I'm usually happy because it means I can interact with the other parts of the list. Because um, if, if you want to play your game with only Celestine, that's fine. So last time I checked, Celestine isn't OPSEC. Um, so if I could just charge, let's say if I wanted to charge Celestine, I charge up some Vanguard bets, and then I'll just string three Eliminators down out OPSEC on that objective. While for, one other reason uh, why Sisters uh, actually may feel pressured in the matchup against me is because they don't have access to full deploy. So that means they're more vulnerable to an Alpha Strike with the drop pod if they're not really careful with the angling. Uh, so they can just lose, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, if you were to play with a drop pod with Devastators inside, because Grav is really hyper-efficient with the uh, loads of high AP, so I force your invans, and loads of shots, so I, I can kill loads of models. Yeah, I definitely do not want to get shot by the, uh, by the Grav cams. I'm going to put as much effort as yeah, possible exactly. to making sure that does not happen. Exactly, but then that, because of that, that forces you to play a certain way, it forces you to position a certain way, and because of that, I know where you are gonna, where you're gonna deploy, where you're not gonna deploy. You're not gonna deploy in the open, so that means you can only deploy in certain places behind on the side. But some places might be slightly better. So that's for, for example, I'll know you have three, three places to hide. One of them is really good. So you can hide like uh, three, four units there comfortably. The other two are mediocre. I know you're gonna put your most important resources in that one, while the other ones will have the slightly less important resources with like rhinos and repenter inside. So if I really have to, I can shoot the rhinos and repenter inside. Uh, Etc. Uh, but it, it, it just helps me uh, predict my uh, the way my opponent uh, is going to behave, which is just really helpful going forward. All right. Well, uh, I think that was the last army I wanted to talk about uh, for the episode. Nick, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we close it out? No, I think that should really just about do it. Nassim, thank you so much for coming on. You have been absolutely immaculate as a guest, such a knowledgeable <laughs> and articulate guest to have on. It's, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank now, you for having there, me. Yeah, of course. Is there anything that you'd like to plug, support, or give a shout out to while we have you here? Yeah, so uh, well, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to my boy Anthony uh, Vanilla. Uh, congrats on uh, winning another event. He's actually smashing it with Drakari. Uh, shout out to my team, because uh, if, if it wasn't for them and playing 4 uh, I probably wouldn't be the player I am today. 
shout out to Mikey from Hellstorm Wargaming. Uh, he actually came second with a uh, very similar Iron Hands this to mine uh, at Gibraltar. So it's always it's always great to see how the Space Marines uh, players thrive. And shout out to the Badmin Cafe and Boris and all of the Das Downlot over here in London. Uh, great great group of players, honestly. So some of the top players I've ever had the chance of speaking to and playing with. Great group of guys. Those are some awesome shout-outs. Those are all lovely people who I have loved every <laughs> time. So, hell yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Art of War. Next week, we will be back with even more awesome goodness and matchups and armies to talk about. Stay tuned for that, and we will catch you later. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.